0: Well good morning and again welcome to Summit Church. I'm excited about today. We're in the third week of the series where we're preaching through our vision statement. And so before we jump into the message, I just want to pray again for us. Uh, What a great time of worship. I love that song, No Longer Slaves. We're no longer a slave to fear. Uh, What a promise. Amen. And so let me, uh, let me pray for us and we'll dive into the message. Father, thank you so much Uh, that we can be uh, together this morning and I just pray um, that you would use your words speak to us open our hearts open our minds um, that we would receive what you have in store for us this morning and it's in Jesus name we pray amen well I know it's different Uh, if you're anything like me um to, to be in your living room and, and, and watching church, but I do pray that you're experiencing this with us. And I encourage you, grab a Bible, have it in your lap, I encourage you um, to, to, to do creative things, and I encourage you to, uh, at any point, uh, to press pause and to have a conversation maybe with Whoever's in your, in your living room there with you, or kitchen, or wherever you're watching this, um, just to press pause and, and, and have a conversation. Uh, I think that uh, would bring the message to life um, even more. But today, we're going to continue with our series, as I mentioned, on our vision statement. If we look at our vision statement, Summit Church will glorify God and advance His kingdom by making disciples of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so today, we're going to spend our time talking about advancing His kingdom. And what does it look like to advance His kingdom? As I was thinking this week about this message, uh, I was thinking about how I, I really enjoy building things. Um, I'm, I'm not great at building things from scratch without directions. But, you know, uh, like for example, a, a, you know, a couple weeks ago we were setting up um, you know, the girls to be able to do their schoolwork. And um, we had some, we had a couple of desks that uh, that we had bought, um, that, um, that, that that we needed to set up, and, and for the girls and, and all of that, so that they could do their schoolwork. And 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 it took me uh, most of the afternoon, but I really enjoyed it because I loved seeing the progress of the desk coming together. I, I enjoyed seeing the progress of the desks coming together. Now, uh, no doubt it, it takes me longer than probably some of you and all that, and I'm fine with that, but I enjoyed the the process of building and seeing the things come together. And, and the reality is, the truth is, I'm sure for all of us, we all love building something. You may not like putting furniture together, especially if it's from Ikea. Um, you may not like putting furniture together. You may not like putting putting things like that together, but maybe you enjoy baking, or maybe you enjoy um, uh, putting a scrapbook together, and, and, and looking at memories over the past year, whatever it is, you enjoy putting something together, we enjoy seeing something come together, and for all of us it's probably different, but for all, whatever it is, no doubt it fills us, and that's what I want us to talk about today, that we, right, we are seeing the kingdom of God come together, and it's exciting. If you look at Matthew chapter 28, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks kind of launching from the Great Commission. But if you look at Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. We talked about go a couple of weeks ago, right? That the church is to be on go. The church is to be on mission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so again, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about be the church, be a going church, go therefore and make disciples, and this week, I was really struck by the word make, um, and, I don't know if you know this, but if you were to Google the word make and and look at the definition, it means this, to form something by putting parts together or combining substances to construct, to create, to cause something to exist or come about, to bring about. I love that definition of Make, to form something by putting parts together or, or combining things to construct, to create, to cause something to exist or to come about, to bring about. And that's what I'm thinking about when I think of the kingdom of God. To advance his kingdom, that we are called, right, to make his name famous, to go and make disciples, to go and build his kingdom here. What a great mission for the church to grab a hold of. And to talk about this a little bit deeper, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. That's where we're going to be this morning. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. I want to look at the only man in Scripture who ever came to Jesus and left in worse condition than when he got there. Most people came to Jesus and they met with Jesus and they left healed or they left encouraged or they left, you know, what have you. Um, but we see this man come to Jesus, and he leaves in worse condition than when he arrived. And it's in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. It's the story of the rich young ruler. It says, and as he was setting out on his journey, Jesus, as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me Good. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Verse 20. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. What a statement. We're going to talk about that more in just a few minutes. Verse 21. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The point that I want us to make when it comes to the kingdom of God and when it comes to our mission as his church in building the kingdom of God is that the hardest thing that we will ever give God complete control over will be our finances and possessions. Let me say that again. The hardest thing that we will ever give God complete control over will be our finances and possessions. I talk about this a lot. We're okay giving God 95%. We're okay giving God 97%, 98%. But there's that 2% over here that we're like, God, you just can't touch this. God, you can't can't see this part of me. God, you can't see how I obsess over this thing. The hardest thing, and for most of us, our 2% or our 5%, whatever the case may be, lies in our finances and possessions. Perhaps, because they're the necessities of life, perhaps because they're necessary for survival, it's harder to trust him there for some reason. But one thing is true, our attitude towards God affects our attitude towards money and our possessions. I want you to see that again. Our attitude towards God affects our attitude towards money and possessions. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hebrews eleven six 6, the writer of Hebrews says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And here, we see from those verses and from this story this morning in The Rich Young Ruler, that we have a picture of dependence versus independence. And, and what I want to talk about is advancing God's kingdom has everything to do with our dependence on Him. Advancing God's kingdom has everything to do with our dependence on who he is and the person and the work of Jesus and God himself. So let's do a general assessment on the rich young ruler. First thing we can notice, he's wealthy, right? He's wealthy. A uh, uh, man ran up to him, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He has a bunch of possessions and, and all of these things and Jesus says, go sell all you have and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Listen, there's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with things. I want you to hear me clearly with that this morning. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And so I want you to see that, right? But beware that with wealth and with things often comes a sense of independence. If I have a bunch of things, if I have a bunch of stuff, if I have a bunch in the bank account, right, then I don't need anyone or anything else, right? We can become our own God if we have enough stuff. No wonder Jesus said what He said in verse 25 when He says, for it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel. I want you to get the picture of that in your minds for just a moment. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. There's there's an independence that comes with that. See, wealth can be a wonderful servant. You can do a lot of things with wealth. You can serve a lot of people with wealth. But it is a terrible master. It's a terrible master. And so we see that this rich young ruler, he's wealthy. Number two, we see that he's influential. Uh, Luke, in the passage in Luke, calls him a ruler. Right, the rich young ruler. That's what we've been talking about here. In Mark, it says the rich young man, but in Luke, we see the same story, and he calls him a rich young ruler. He was part of the upper class. He had influence. The third thing we see is that he's moral. He's moral. Uh, if you look there in verse uh, 19, Jesus says, You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the, and the rich young man responded to him in verse 20, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. You can tell he's trying. He's bought into the lie that good people can go to heaven. He's probably a nice guy. He probably has a fine character with many fine qualities. The fourth thing he had was potential. He was young. Both places in Scripture where this story is talked about, Luke and Mark, um, they, they say the rich young man, the rich young ruler, he had his whole life in front of him. He was poised for greater success. And from our perspective, he's looking pretty good so far. He's got all of his ducks in a row, we would say. We'd probably be Really happy to have him as a member of Summit Church if we didn't know any better. So let's dig a little deeper and let's look at his personality. We've done a general assessment. Let's do a personality assessment of the rich young man, the rich young ruler. And the first thing we see is that he was courageous. He had courage. He was living in a time when the religious community wasn't fond of Jesus rather they were trying to sabotage him they were trying to destroy Jesus's ministry and it wasn't cool to be his disciple it wasn't good to be around him it wasn't it it wasn't kosher to associate with Jesus see Nicodemus sought the Lord at night but this rich young ruler this rich young man went in broad daylight and that shows us courage he didn't care what people thought about it he didn't care what people thought about him he was courageous the second thing we see is that he had humility. He had humility. Look at uh, look at verse seventeen. And as he was setting out, Jesus was setting out on a journey. A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him. The rich young man had humility. See, usually people knelt before the ruler, but now the ruler kneels before Jesus. He was humble before Jesus. Then we see the third thing is that he was open. He was open. He asks a sincere question. He's not trying to trip Jesus up. There's no ulterior motives. He realizes that something's missing and he's looking for answers. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He's looking for an honest answer. So far, with a character assessment, he's still looking pretty good. But what's hidden underneath? And what I want us to see here is that only God can do a spiritual assessment. Only Jesus can see His heart. And so, from what Jesus says here, let's do a spiritual assessment. General assessment, we see He's wealthy, He's influential, He's moral, He's got potential, personality, He's courageous, He's, got, he's a man of humility, He's open. But spiritually, let's look at Him. The first thing we see, He's spiritually Frustrated. He's spiritually frustrated. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? See, there's a big difference between someone who's seeking and someone who's convicted. True conviction is missing in so many of us today. In so many so-called conversions today. He's spiritually frustrated. And he's saying, listen, I don't want to be a good person. I want to be a God person. I want to know how to inherit eternal life. The second thing we see spiritually here from Jesus is that he was spiritually immature. Look at verses 19 and 20 again. I know we've talked about it a couple times already. He says, Jesus says, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Look at what the rich young man responded with. He said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. That's not true. Right? I mean, that's not true. How could anybody How could anybody keep these commandments from their youth? Right? Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Uh, no doubt, that was an impossible task. But in here, the rich young man isn't arrogant in saying that, that he's kept those from his youth. He's just ignorant. He's naive. He has a shallow concept Of what sin truly is. Who of us could honestly say this morning that we haven't broken any of the Ten Commandments? I mean, obviously, He's broken the first and last commandment. No other God's before me. Do not covet. He's not nearly as righteous as He thinks He is. How many of us could say that as well? And then thirdly, If we do a spiritual assessment, we see that he's spiritually independent. We know that because he asks the wrong question. He asks, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Remember, it's not what we do, it's who we are. Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter, and he deals with the man's idol. He deals with his God, money, and possessions. Go sell it all, and what matters, what's important, the heart of life is come follow me. Go sell it all. Go sell it all. Give all the proceeds to the poor. Give it all away. And come follow me. So then we see this radical transformation. Verse 21. You lack one thing. Go and sell. And then come and follow. Go and sell. Come and follow. See, understand that selling all this rich young man had wasn't going to save him. See, Jesus is making a point here. Accept me not only as Savior, but as Lord. Make me Lord of your life. Not your stuff, not your wealth, not your money. Make me Lord of your life. The disciples, when Jesus called the disciples, they had to to deny themselves and leave their nets. See, there's three levels of control that we've got to deal with. And I want to ask you this morning, where do you land in these three levels of control? See, the top level is that God owns me and God owns my possessions. How many of us could say that we're in that top level of control, that God owns me, all that I am, my, 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 my tongue, my mind, my heart, my, my, my checkbook, my, my bank account, my entertainment, my kids, my, my, my marriage, God owns it all and He owns my possessions. And then there's a middle level of control that God owns me, but not my possessions. See, God, God can have me. God can have my heart. God can have my commitment. But, but I'm going to still have my stuff. I'm going to still have my possessions. right? I own those. I've earned those. How many of us say that? right? Right? And then there's a bottom level of control. I control myself. And I control my possessions. Now see, I think if we're honest with ourselves, many of us probably land in that middle level of control. Right? Or maybe, maybe we've even given God um, our stuff, but, but we've, we've got the decision making. We've got ourselves. Right? And, and so I think many of us, many of us land in that middle level control where God owns me, but I own my possessions. Or God owns my possessions and I own me. I earned it, I worked for it, and I'll decide. But I want us to see that when it comes to God's kingdom, it's impossible to find fulfillment in stuff. It's impossible to find fulfillment in things. I want you to look at the rich young man here. He went away miserable. He went away sorrowful. Right? The Scripture says, disheartened by what Jesus said, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He was miserable. See, those things were not enough for him. He continued in frustration. Such a sad story, but what I want us to see here this morning is that Jesus Christ alone can satisfy and bring fulfillment. I love Matthew chapter 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So many of us are looking for satisfaction in Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's starting that thing off, in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The new stuff isn't going to fulfill you. It's not going to satisfy you. All the money in the world isn't going to fulfill you. It's not going to satisfy you, but Jesus will satisfy you. He's enough for you and for me. so, my question for us this morning as we think about this. Is what are you trying to build? Whose kingdom are you trying to build? Your kingdom or God's kingdom? When we think of Summit, right? God has called us to build His kingdom, not make a name for us, not build our kingdom, but to build His kingdom to make His name famous. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, so many of us are guilty of building our own kingdom. I was having a conversation with one of our elders, um, and we were we were in a we were in a meeting this past week on Zoom, and and we were just talking, and he in in. And he talked about how thankful he was that he got to go to the Bahamas before all of this hit where we had to stay home because it really gave him perspective on what's important. You know, down in the Bahamas, they're running on generators and um, uh, houses are unfinished. Their church um, isn't, isn't finished. Half of it's got an open roof. And it just just really, he he spoke to the point that, you know, so many things that we think are important aren't important. So many things that we think are necessary and needs and essential in life aren't. And it really gave him a perspective in looking into this. and, 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 And he thought to himself, hey, you know, whose kingdom am I trying to build? And that's the question that I want to ask you today. That I've already asked you, but I want to ask you again. Whose kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom are you building? See, we're not called in that Great Commission to go and make disciples, right? We're not called to go and enjoy disciples, We're not called to go and enjoy the saved. Go and enjoy the people that have already come into the kingdom. No, 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 church. Listen, listen, listen. Look at it again. Go and make disciples. Go and form together. Go and bring together under the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. But to go and make disciples. But I want you to know that in the going and making, we get to enjoy the process of, adma- of making and advancing His kingdom. In the going and making, we see more enjoyment. We find more fulfillment. We find more fulfillment. It's the point. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, I'm reminded of Paul when he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in all things consider others. And my challenge for us today, are we making self-decisions or are we making kingdom decisions? When we think of ourselves, are we making... Are we making decisions that advance our family or that move our family along? Right? Are we fighting over toilet paper? Are we, are we doing this? Are we doing that? Are we out for ourselves? Or when we make decisions, do we ask ourselves, how's this going to affect the kingdom of God? How's this going to affect the kingdom of God? And as a church, that's so important for us to think about. See, we're not we don't believe God's called us to get out of this facility and go to another facility so that we can have just the latest and greatest stuff or or a bigger place. We're trying to create a place we believe God's called us to Make a move like this because we believe we can go and build His kingdom there. Because we want a building that can be open more than 10% of the week. We want a place that can be open, right? And, and serve the community and be a blessing to the community. Why? Because that's a kingdom thing. That's a kingdom decision. Right? To have a building that sits empty 90% of the week when we can have a place that's, that's open more, That's kingdom. That's kingdom. And that's why some of us are so passionate about this thing. Because we don't want to serve ourselves. We want to advance the kingdom. And so my challenge for you as a person, my challenge for you and your family, and my challenge for us as a church, that in every decision, in everything that we do, would be kingdom. Let's pray. God, thank You that You've called us to advance your kingdom. And God, I pray uh, that, that, that even in this time right now where we're tempted, God, we're tempted, we're tempted to hold on to our stuff a little bit tighter because of the unknown. And God, that's so real. That's so real. But God, You're bigger. And You know, God, I pray that You, in the same way that Jesus approached the rich young ruler, Rich young man, whichever story we see there, God, that then in the same way Jesus approached him and said, Go and sell, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. God, I pray that you would remind us this morning of the main thing. I pray that you would remind us this morning to be kingdom in our decisions, to be kingdom in our lives, to be kingdom in our relationships with our husbands and wives, that we be kingdom in our relationships with our kids, that we be kingdom in our relationships with each other, that we be kingdom in our relationship with the church. God, stretch us even greater in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.